0: According to Google, the official definition of fish is a limbless, cold blooded vertebrate animal with gills and fins and living wholly in water. The example f- sentence is the sea is thick with fish, which really explains everything. <laughs>
1: thick with fish.
0: <laughs> yeah, no! so. <laughs> no! <laughs> I hate that. Why, why would they say it like that?
2: <laughs>
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the overly sarcastic podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red.
0: Greetings from the di- uh, the future. I
1: the future.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I already did greetings from the distant past a while back, and then I was like, wait, I gotta mix it up.
1: And we were- indigo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were just Couldn't talking think about. of an adjective for future. No,
2: just, just like, like a, a distant past-,
0: past, and then just just future no i I mean you know like i don't even know what word for the grammatical segment of the sentence i was swapping in uh is it just a noun whatever uh (laughs) we were just talking about how this is a low brain power week and then i just go and demonstrate that right out the gate
1: if you're if you're coming from the distant future do i need to stop oppressing my poor uh victorian era factory workers uh whom i have not given a christmas break to
0: Eh, or can i I, like
1: keep doing that Is, is that chill well, chill?
0: It, it depends on your thoughts on uh, adorable small children uh, dying tragically. Uh, you know, depending on your your yay or nay on that, you may or may not want to change your ways, acquire a really big turkey, you know, stuff like that. Will that
1: be of any material cost to me, whether the adorable Victorian children die?
0: Uh, well, it depends <laughs> on how you consider the, the productivity loss by his grieving father. Um, <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> In the long run, I think everyone works a little better when they're happier, but I'm not going to tell you how to run your Victorian era (laughs) coal mining business or whatever your deal is.
1: Long-term detriments to my immortal soul. We'll pencil that in for fiscal year 2027. Someone (laughs) might
0: steal your bed sheets after you die, but, like, really, at that point, you know, you can't take it with you anyway, so, like...
1: (laughs) It's fucking
0: March. Why are we making this joke?
1: I, you started this with this. Hey, I um, didn't go
0: all Scrooge on it. I just said (laughs) greetings from the distant future and everyone got weird about it.
1: Uh, Why does Uh, everyone have to be weird about time travel? We have a YouTube (laughs) channel. We made YouTube videos. Red, you had a YouTube video about, um, seals.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was the, it was the great Norse seal fight, uh, funny story of context for uh the, the the folks at home i started scripting this one when i was visiting you guys for your wedding yeah. <laughs> um yeah i was uh, i was looking through some some good old classic edda stuff and i just like my eyes passed over a bit and i was like back up excuse me <laughs> what do you mean it is said that they were in the form of seals and it, like obviously the first thing i did I messaged our bud Adam, Ludo History, streams on Twitch, does game analysis, stuff like that. He's great fun. And he's our resident, you know, Norse mythology and history expert. So I messaged him and I was like, please tell me there are other sources about this and he was like ah no
1: <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> yeah
0: which was actually kind of nice because with a lot of these things like there's actually like centuries of discourse about this like you know when i did the loki video adam was like all right this is mostly good unfortunately you did cite a nazi and i was like ah damn it <laughs> it's always a risk when you're researching Norse mythology but like some of these things there's you know there there's so much discourse about it. there's all these arguments that I don't know about because I'm not immersed in the academia about it. This one it was just like, yeah, we don't fucking know. good luck. I was like good. Yeah. yes. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Um, so wh-
1: what we lacked in in actual like myth havingness uh, we made up for with what I th- thought was a very interesting video tracing the process of research really. It's probably mm-hmm. one of the best insights into our actual research process. even I would say, more insightful than the deep dives because it is a very concise examination of what it's like to start with something and try to work back through just uncovering that thing not trying to figure out like the the essence of a character but trying to find out okay like we have this nugget of this myth where the hell is the rest of it and i feel like this was a really really concise and and despite the muddiness of the myth, a clear explanation and exploration of that research process, which is why I found this video very interesting, (laughs) even though the actual, like, myth content was rather uh, small compared to the proportion in in other videos.
0: Once I figured out that I could not, in, like, good conscience, reconstruct a myth and retell it as, you know, as that's what this video is about, I realized that a better angle would be tracing the, you know, the, the research approach. Like you said, that was you know, it's it's an interesting look at a side of the process that often just kind of gets obscured because, you know, a lot of these stories have already been collated and retold and summarized by other people. And a lot of the stories in a lot of the books that we draw on are like, Written by those people. So, you know, I, I always try and start with the primary sources, but a lot of these stories have already been fairly easily like repackaged and put in linear order and all that stuff. I, uh, apparently, including this one, there were a couple comments from people who were like, um, actually, in one version of this myth, and I was like, I promise you, that's something someone made up in the 50s or whatever. It's not in the original. I looked at all three of the original sources and it wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice that you, you know, had a version of this, but I, I swear to God, they don't have any more sources than I do, bud. Um,
1: it says here that the uh, the seal fight happened right next to the time traveling goatfish. <laughs> oh
0: Christ! Um, so you know you end up in this sort of weird space where it's like I know there's a story here. I know that there is a whole story here somewhere. Snorri didn't retell it, and the part of it in the the Hustrapa, is that uh, I think that's correct. Um, I, I don't actually know. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, quick side note: My brain categorizes words by what letter they start with and almost nothing else. So, uh, that might be fully the wrong word and I'll get a strongly worded message from Adam about it later. But anyway, um, uh, that part of the poem was just not preserved. Like it doesn't seem likely that Snorri made it up or that it was a mistranslation, uh, or anything like that. It just seems like Snorri had a version of the poem where they mentioned seals, but we don't have that version of that poem. It just didn't survive the last, you know, 800 years, which is fair. Not many things do. Uh, but once it became clear that I wasn't going to be able to put together a version of the myth that I thought in good conscience I could retell, it just kind of turned into, all right, here's what it might look like if we put the pieces together. Uh, some of these, you know, in sp- especially in some of the older videos, I'll play a little faster and looser with that stuff. I'll, I'll be like, all right, you know, there's this story where this happens, and-, and there's this other story where this happens, and I'll treat them like they're in the same canon, even if they might be separated by, like, a couple hundred years, a couple hundred miles. And it's like, ultimately... There's... I I don't know. I sort of treat mythology as though there is no canon, while at the same time trying to tie things together as though there is a canon. And I feel like at some point I've got to pick a side on which of those things I'm going to do. And with this one, I think it's better to just be like, look, in the context of this one specific story, here's how it went. And in the context of this other specific fragment, here's how it went. And if we squint and put them all together, we might be able to get this. But that's not the original, it's not the true version, it's not the one version, it's just a thing. <laughs> and isn't I mean, that thing interesting?
1: Yeah, and it, it's situational, whether it's like, oh, is there there's sort of, not necessarily a canon, but is there kind of an understood, overarching, you know, narrative umbrella versus is this just random stories in a soup it's it's definitely situational between mythologies and even in some cases within like there are um you know even in very comparatively well documented greek mythology there are some stories that are like yeah no like you you can see where like you know this story ends and this leads into something else that this other author is talking about versus stories where even you know within like you know one event different retellings go in wildly different directions so uh, yeah. it it's situational it's not always uh even when it's like is it kind of like cohesive or is it muddy and a mess that process is muddy and a mess <laughs> oh yeah
0: yeah i mean that's that's really it ultimately when we're looking at mythology we are looking at consistent characters across a vast and inconsistent field of stories that feature those characters uh this also applies to folktales um especially like a lot of like Russian folktales and and stories from that area feature essentially stock characters that just get remixed. So it's like, all the folktales about Jack are not about the same dude exactly, because you can't put them in a canon order. But the the characters, you know, all kind of have these, these traits that don't change across the different stories they're in. So the idea of a mythological canon versus the idea of like a religious canon or a, a narrative canon, they're just like, completely different concepts. Uh, You know, there are points of consistency and stability that change much more slowly, but the stories those characters are in can change very quickly and very extremely across just, like, short geographic gaps, short, you know, amounts of time, one writer taking a different angle, like how Ovid does all of his stories, like, he'll reframe a lot of older myths in completely different ways. As mentioned a while back, the whole thing about Medusa being a cursed human woman seems to be an Ovid original, and that's a pretty extreme change, but it's not really changing much of the characterization of the gods involved, it's just taking this one, like, one-shot monster and playing with it a little bit, so it doesn't disrupt the the important core canon that is, you know, the characterization of the gods. So... it's... I don't know. It's a lot, and it's confusing, and this is one of those things where, like, no matter what approach I take, I'm gonna get some strongly-worded comments (laughs) from people who think I should have taken one of the, like, eight other options. Because the canonicity of Greek mythology is a is a very hot take, and in my experience, most of the people I've seen complaining about it mostly complain that the version that people are using is not their favorite rather than the fact that they're trying to adhere to a canonicity at all, uh, if that makes sense. It's like I, sorry, what's that,
1: up? That, I was going to say, that is one of the things I like about um, this discussion and, and kind of Norse mythology in general is that we I mean, assuming we don't walk in and think, oh, yeah, no, all of this stuff was, like, written down in perfectly preserved form. You know, if we go in kind of understanding that these stories are from a lot of different places and they were put together very much after the fact <laughs> uh, with, with yeah. a particular angle running through all of them, uh, that of, like, ambient Christianization in the background. Um, just working from from that basis, it's a lot easier to be like, okay, I, I know that... Um, well, actually, that kind of contradicts what I said, like, five
0: minutes ago, so. <laughs> No, but, I mean, that's what makes this space so tricky. It's like, at the same time, you know, we have specific stories, and we have a lot of them that we can stick together, but there is no overarching canon. But there, there's this sort of contradiction of terms here. You know, sometimes we get comments from people that are like, well, if there's no canon for mythology, then maybe that goddess Tumblr made up is okay, actually. And it's like, no, listen, there. There's no one right answer, but there are a lot of wrong answers, okay? That's an important distinction. That's, <laughs> that's a very really, Yeah, it's like, there's yeah. not one right answer does not mean there are no wrong answers. And that's really what, I think that's like the core at the heart of any kind of mythological retelling is like, there are a lot of ways to get this right. And especially if you're doing like a modern urban fantasy retelling where you're already kind of playing with stuff, there's a lot of ways to play with it that I don't think completely undercut the original. And also... After a certain point, if you're making art, I'm not going to demand that you adhere to the standards of other artists because that just seems (laughs) counterproductive. But there are a lot of ways to do it wrong, and there are a lot of ways to do it in ways that people might not like, even if it's not objectively wrong because there's no such thing as an objective judgment in a field so utterly subjective and very poorly sourced as something like this. Anyway, again, it's, it's a very loose and complicated field where there's... No single right answer, and anything you do will get you yelled at on the internet. But also, there are a lot of very interesting things to sort of just unearth and and put together, and just see what happens. And and in the case of this story, like Adam pointed out, there was a bit of a discussion on the Discord. Uh, he was like, basically pointing out that this is you know the version I told at the end with like, okay, there's this and that, and you know, he stole it possibly on Odin's uh, He stole it possibly on Odin's orders, and then uh, he you know gets it back from this person's orders and uh you know th- that's not the true version of the story that's the version that i put together at the end that doesn't mean that's the story it means it's a story it's a story that's got some support but like adam pointed out like the the uh, the Sir la thought poem thing was like 300 years after everything else way post-christianization and it was drawing on like an older pattern that shows up in a lot of different stories that he doesn't think maybe works as the specific origin for Brisingaman, when it's instead it's an origin for a lot of different things. So basically, again, just all, all this stuff, it's not the true version, it's not the one version. There is usually no single version that you can unearth by finding all the bits and putting them together. But it was very fun to just kind of show the process by which I construct this not-true version. <laughs> uh... And I I think people got a kick out of it, which was good, because I had a fun time putting it together. And it was much easier writing down my research process than writing down my research process and then collating it all into a different, more polished thing and then making that a video.
1: I think the important thing is that you made it clear that this was a research soup, rather than trying to present it as one thing. But (laughs) uh, on the other side of that, uh, we also had a very much longer video uh, on the channel (laughs) the other day, Uh, (laughs) a a detailed diatribe, um, not breaking the record for longest, that goes to the Christmas movie showdown by a margin of just a few minutes, but um, we had a video on the historical side of things talking about how historically accurate, authentic, how historical in general is assassin's creed and that was a fun one because i i have obviously had thoughts for many many years and we've talked about this on live streams uh for a while now and i i've never quite figured out what it was that made me think some games were better at this than others so i sat down i compiled all my thoughts together and then i figured out ah here it is, <laughs> 48 yep, slides later. Of <laughs> yeah. um, and I again, that factors into the story because we were talking about this uh, as I was getting into the process of um, of laying out my, my PowerPoint. And he had some some helpful suggestions on on things that I should mention and topics that I should, should um, bring up. And specifically the idea that um, when crafting a historical space for a piece of popular culture, there is a degree to which the developers Are working off of the assumed version of the history that the audience might be bringing in Mm -hmm. to an experience so when we think of the Renaissance we we think of a lot of things Um, not all of them will be strictly you know accurate to what the actual you know 1400s in Italy were like but since there is a popular conception and the game is taking place in this world, there's a degree to which they have to, not necessarily meet the audience halfway, but meet them like a quarter of the way and sort of like acknowledge what they are bringing to this experience and what preconceived notions they have, sometimes challenging them, sometimes reinforcing them, and then seeing how that relationship between the developer and the audience and expectations evolved over the course of the game to just being, let us satisfy every single expectation that anyone will have by throwing in as much cool and vaguely recognizable stuff into one big historical clam chowder. And it's a mess it turns into a goddamn mess by the end of it but it was really fun to go through all of it um basically like point by point kind of skipping over some of the middle games um and exploring just what led them to make the choices they did to have like yeah i know at the beginning like this is actually this is pretty solid they're mostly good and then to the end it's like they're just making up nonsense yeah because it looks cool
0: (laughs) i mean that's that's really it I, i know assassin's creed has always had to balance you know coolness factor with histor with historicity because it's like you're you're a dude wearing a very non-historical outfit, jumping off buildings and stabbing people with a piece of ancient technology that's doing a lot of work for just being a knife basically. But um you know, even in those early games they were like, you know Da Vinci, you know, the old guy who painted the Mona Lisa, well he's young and hot and kind of in love with you now. Let's hang out with him. And it's like, <laughs> wait, what? Uh hold on. <laughs> um yeah. and it's like that's not something the audience was expecting to see. Yeah. But it's cool. It's it, it's a neat thing to draw on. Yeah, um, it's
1: it's it's using the real history to make a more interesting version of in this case a character yeah. uh, that is no less true it's just a different side it's a much more well, alive version of I of mean, you know what what people would think of when they think of oh da Vinci this great inventor it's like yeah he was also kind of a goofball yeah. and that is that is a true fact of the character that makes him more interesting than if he was just the the kind of like you know oh he, he writes backwards and mirrors he invents <laughs> flying machines like okay that's you know, that's fine but yeah. that there's so much more More than that and that's an example where the history is more interesting than people's preconceived notions and that's a really Powerful way that games can can teach people um, About about this stuff and then of course there are ways that it it, it can go wrong
0: (laughs) But that's what I mean like you know this early game established a pattern that they could have followed with later games of taking the historical you know the fun cameo historical figure that you hang out with and drawing on their actual you know historical nature for more interesting angles on them than just the stereotype that they turned into later when they became this famous locked-in historical character uh but as you pointed out like they didn't do that with cleopatra <laughs> they didn't do nope. that with anyone else uh, not
1: at all oh no. well yeah so yes, i yeah. i feel like liberated almost now having gotten all of these <laughs> thoughts into the detailed diatribe because before i was like i was trying to think about it every every time we were on stream we talked about it and i'm like i i feel like i am trying to puzzle this together but I just can't assemble the thought and now that I have yep. spent an hour and a half talking about it I feel like I'm free it's like yeah. ah yes I finally <laughs> understand it it's all yeah. laid out in front of me and I get it now I I see the the whole course of, of, of this story playing out and now it's like okay i can put this to the side i am yep. done my mind is free i can move on
0: and it's interesting because <laughs> liberated. Uh, again circling back to adam actually he was streaming um assassin's creed valhalla like one of the dlcs yesterday or, yeah the um, at that time of what was
1: it the uh dawn of ragnarok, dawn of, ragnarok uh, DLC. of
0: course and like you know we we were kind of both watching along with that and it's like this is bad, but, like, why is it bad? Because, of course, it's wildly ahistorical, but this DLC is supposed to be taking place in the realm of myth and legend and stuff, which is, you know, Adam's area of expertise. He was like, all right, this is a name from mythology, but it doesn't really apply to this character, and they're adding this stuff, but, oh, they're referencing the meat of poetry. That's a real thing. Um, and it's just like, okay, so they're kind of playing close to the myths. Why is this game still really bad? Like, what's wrong with <laughs> it? And it just seems to be like, it's, there's nothing gamey there. Like, it... it's less interesting to play than, like, I don't know, Skyrim, a game which at least has an engaging main plotline and a lot of funny bugs that happen. Um, But this just seems like they put, like, a veneer of semi-accurate mythological stuff over an extremely boring, linear progression of, like, go from point A to point B to point C, watch some cutscenes. That's not just You're not watching the cutscenes. Your character is watching the cutscenes. <laughs> You're not even watching your character interact with these characters. You're watching your character watch a movie made of little glowy particles, because they're easier to render, I guess. And it's just like, alright, this is bad in a lot of ways, but is this indicative of the deeper problem of, like, why they're sort of starting to Drop the historicity and just appeal to the lowest common denominator of like, oh, this is what our audience is going to go into the game expecting to see. So let's just give it to them, I guess. Like, I do... don't even
1: think so because oh, yeah? the the whole point of like doing this whole like Svartalfheim and according to Adam, Svartalfheim isn't even really like the concept of the realms is is way less codified than people think it is. Yeah, um, the nine um, realms but, like, get even... name
0: dropped as the nine realms, but they don't get listed. Yeah, like Spartolfheim
1: came way later. But even even still, like the the thing that he was um explaining uh and try to like modify this into the the point of discussion we're having now, but (laughs) a lot of what they do now is throw in things that look cool and are like bombastic and fun and extra and fantastical Mm -hmm. without actually making them fun for real. So, all of the characters are dry and lifeless and have no depth or interesting personality traits, including the main character, who is a hunk of wood, uh, as <laughs> is, is far as the, uh, the, the, the audience experience goes. Um, there's just, there's no life. There's all this cool set dressing, but there's no life anywhere. And the early games were, to their credit, what was good about them was that they had a lot of, of like, fun and interest and just. Passion. Passion, yeah. yeah. Uh. Rather than clearly this being like the seventeenth quest that we needed to put in this open world because we needed to just fill in this many quests. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I I can't. You know, this is again. You know, why is Assassin's Creed not historically accurate is is one question that I have solved and now my mind can rest. But why is Assassin's Creed boring <laughs> is a different question <laughs> that I have also been wrestling with for the last several years about why these games are much less interesting than the older ones. I mean, There's I something have a to guess. do with the fact that it's it's an open world that the player is meant to run through rather than spends time in because if you're in one city for the whole game then you really get to like explore that environment and get familiar with it and and move around and and become like like you're part of it because you spend so much time in it and you start to understand the geography and feel like a sense of place but when you're just running through environments that you see once and never again yeah. there's there's no sense of place there's no sense of permanence there's just a very elaborate menu system, uh, essentially to take you from from one combat encounter to another. I mean, uh, and even if it looks pretty, it's dead. There's open, nothing in it. <laughs> open Nothing's happening.
0: Need to populate the world with enough engaging stuff to make the character and the player want to explore the world. Because otherwise, the game has no benefit being open world. It just make puts more space between the quest objectives, and you you want to give the player a reason to want to finish the game beyond it is a video game, like. And it feels like this game's reason to want to finish the game is it's a video game. Oh boy, I bet you want to see our main character snap out of her drug-induced fugue state or whatever and go back to the other video game you were playing. It's just baffling to me, and I I don't want to go on this too long because this is a whole rant about, like, every different media property that exists these days that's gone on way too long, but it, it, it just strikes me that the core problem is that the people making these games are no longer doing it because they have a story they really want to tell and an exciting idea they want to play around with. They gotta hammer out a new Assassin's Creed game every year or the the big number no, no, will go no, down. No, not
1: every year anymore. Oh. Not every year anymore.
0: Every couple years? That's every other year now. Yeah, okay, every other year. Or otherwise the really big number will go down. And that's that's so much of it, you know? That's that's what's been bugging me about the Disney live action remakes. That's what's been bugging me about the new Star Wars movies. All these things that are being made out of an obligation to continue creating more of what used to work because otherwise the really big number will go down and the stockholders will get upset and, I don't know, bad stuff will happen unprecedented in this year 2022, but I don't know. I don't want to go on this too long, it's just that seems to me the issue here. Like, this game isn't fun because there's nothing there, because nobody thought of anything to put there. They're like, we can take this from mythology and this from mythology and we can just borrow these assets from the older games and we'll be fine. And then we can make another gazillion dollars, it'll be great. It's just like, cool, you'll get the people who will play video games because they're video games and you won't get anybody else.
1: I, one hole in that argument is that this is actually the most uh, the best-selling Assassin's Creed game ever. I um, know, but I
0: don't understand why. It's I, so bad. Ne- <laughs> it, it's very
1: easy to market. But speaking of making a gazillion dollars, uh, <laughs> we this month have been running a Kickstarter yeah. for uh, a project called The Woman Cards, uh, the History Makers deck, uh, yeah. which if you watched our last uh, episode, uh, we had Zach and Zeb, the creators of The Woman Cards, on, and that was a very fun episode. Yeah. Uh, the Kickstarters will be running through the end of the month, so there is still time if you have missed it thus far. Uh, we uh, are going to have a, a stretch goal uh, for forty thousand dollars. We're currently in the low thirty thousands. If we get to forty, we will have, uh, for the Joker cards full art pieces, like you know, full, like you know, whole illustrations uh, of two mythological characters for the deck. So, if you want to see. Athena and Freya be part of the history makers deck then go pledge because uh-huh. if we get to 40 then we'll be there So so that is yeah. very exciting, uh, but we're not there yet. So um, let's try to kind of get us over the line But yeah, uh, the cards are fully funded. So no matter what uh, the cards will be made um, Showing up uh, a little bit later in the year um, And that is very cool. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile the pins that uh, we launched in February for yes. Hestia and Demeter should be shipping out now uh, so hopefully, if you have not got them already, you should get them very soon.
0: Yep. And I think that's um, that's about us covered. Uh, yeah. Oh, I can mention... Uh, the other podcast uh, that Indigo and I do together, Rolling with Difficulty, we just released our big post-season one Q&A, so if you want to check that out, or if you haven't listened to the first season, it's all out now, so there's no more cliffhangers, so you can just go check that out. If you got, like, what, 24 hours to burn? <laughs> something like that.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, eight episodes, like, three to four hours each. Yep. you got a lot of content there. Perfect.
0: And, um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. We are planning <laughs> on doing a season two, so if you want to, like be up to date for that good time to start checking it out now maybe it could be fun yeah i don't know anyway all right we should probably move on (laughs) very
1: very very enthusiastic uh i'm so uh, sleepy
0: you guys it's it's
1: okay um with that let us move on to the q and a portion of the podcast Yay.
2: Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. I could do this intro in my sleep at this point. Uh, this first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron and have a chance for your question to be read first in a future episode. This question comes from Kenyon. To all, my friend sent me indigo punch tea for my birthday. What are your favorite foods or drinks that correspond to your color?
1: Oh. What is oh. your favorite
2: red food, red, and blue food, blue? And um, I don't know any other indigo foods besides that tea, so I guess by default I'm going to go with that
1: one. <laughs> yeah, like, I, aside from, is... like, berry Gatorade, there's not a lot of blue <laughs> foods or drinks.
2: <laughs> blue raspberry, dude! I
1: mean, blue yeah, raspberry- but like do blue raspberries actually occur in nature or is it only oh, like a market? was that the question.
2: <laughs> it didn't say they had to be all natural. It just said that they had Fair to be enough.
1: a
0: food item. Fair enough. Or beverage. All right, Red, you go first.
1: <laughs> well, it's very <laughs> funny
0: because there are an awful lot of natural red foods, but I mean, it's gotta be Code Red Mountain Dew. I mean, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> come on. Why? That got me through high school Why and a good chunk of college really until it started being actually bad for my teeth. <laughs> started being actually bad for your t- Well, I, I eventually <laughs> dealt with the consequences of my actions. I have an actual filling on one of my canines because of that and it's entirely I, the fault of Code Red I Mountain Dew. I do
1: remember Dew. almost every well, morning starting off with you and a a bottle of Code Red Mountain Dew from the school vending machine in your hand. Be-
0: yeah, well, it's because as a as a as a youth, I was given Shirley Temples at a formative age and I was like this is great and then Code Red Mountain Dew was just like that but like 300% more intense and in yeah. a bottle that I could I- acquire every day from the school. Um, and it's yeah. good, it's good what? and I'll defend it. And I also liked the uh, the the blue version. I just don't remember what they called that one. Uh, it was like Livewire or Volt or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and they were it's both good. name
2: sounds like a computer chip. You shouldn't be drinking it.
0: <laughs> I once had a prophetic dream uh, where they were out of Code Red Mountain Dew and they offered me a, oh, no. a <laughs> viscous black new variant of Mountain Dew that I knew in my uh-huh. soul I shouldn't drink. I don't remember if I did, but then a couple of years later, they announced actual Black Mountain Dew, and I was like, oh, the prophecy. So Goth Mountain Dew. <laughs>
1: well, this was a the much more curse
2: answer to the question than I was expecting from the, the
0: red side of the
2: team, but yeah. you know what? Honesty uh, is a virtue. No, that's I'm a ver- chaos I was say,
1: <laughs> As far as like red foods go, I do really like red Thai curry, even though that's obviously not like my mm-hmm. portion of the question to answer. Um, blue good, foods or drinks... Um, blueberries, I, yep. blue slushies. Yeah, like that's blueberries are good. Um, I'm like I'm going through every food item I've ever eaten, trying to find the blue ones.
0: <laughs> that Cookie Monster ice cream stuff that oh, they do. God. Oh, Super yeah, ice cream flavors
2: that are blue, like cotton candy ice cream that you get down the shore. Oh,
0: just regular cotton candy. That's an option. Oh ah, yeah, that's I feel true. I like I've had a, a lot blue filling options.
1: Oreo before, for like mm. it was oh, like a pastel certainly. blue for Easter. I'll go with that. Those that's pastel weird. blue Easter Oreos. <laughs> blue.
2: Okay, so we have um, Mountain Dew Code Red and <laughs> blue or uh,
0: blue Oreo I ate one time for Easter.
2: <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I'm trying to think if there's any other indigo foods, but I think uh, the tea that they mentioned is the only one that's coming to mind right now. Um, I'd constitute blackberries,
0: you know. All right. Yeah, that works yeah.
2: too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard like, purple stuff. It's an open door, but I don't know. Indigo's technically purple a blue.
0: Purple stuff. I don't
2: know. I'd be honest. And I don't know a lot deep. about where on the color wheel indigo falls, other than it's on the cool
0: blue side. So it's, <laughs> eh, it's a little bluer, or purpler. Or, I mean, it really only exists so they could get seven colors on the rainbow. You know, I mean, ugh, yeah, big rainbow coming in and making <laughs> up a color. Big Conspiracy numerology to sell more you like. more crayons. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've actually been to the, this is completely off topic, but the oh, Crayola yeah. factory was in Pennsylvania, and I, but that was like a go to field trip when I was a mm. kid. Huh. Um, yeah. Huh. Did not get an indigo crown. But dare to dream. Uh, This next question comes from Bardic Inspiration. How do you guys decide what topics to cover in your videos? Uh, (laughs) What's the process? process is a strong word for that for me. It's a big wheel and it's just like different uh, <laughs> different <laughs> topics and you just spin it. It's the... <laughs>
0: well, for me at least, it's genuinely just like what I think is interesting and fun to talk about. Like, you know, the process by which we do the detailed diatribes, it's like that, but a little more focused and like a little mm-hmm. less just stream yeah. of consciousness, you know?
1: At, at the most basic level, we obviously split between like oh, you know, we have, you know, Red does a myth, she does a trope talk, she does a myth, she does a trope talk, you know, I have my history summarized. I have my history makers and history hijinks and, and stuff like that in the City Minutes. So first it's like, you know, the rotation of, of of those series and then within that for me at least, I have developed a very long list of topics I would like to at some point cover um, that I <laughs> I think the list is is more than two years of videos long and I started that list Dang. more than two years ago so I've clearly added to it and evolved it over the years. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I start from a, a long list of topics where if I'm researching something and I'm like oh you know what this would be really cool but this is a little tangential you know what? I'll make a video on it later mm. or if I'm just stumbling onto something like oh my gosh this is so cool and then I'm like okay this this is not related to anything else but I really want to talk about this <laughs> uh, and then that goes on the list and then I try to you know you know, space things out a little bit so I don't have too many things that are too similar happening all at once um, I don't have very complicated videos happening right next to each other I'm working on a very complicated video now uh, uh-huh. admittedly after my last video, uh, my last history video, Egypt, was a fairly big video. Uh, yes. <laughs> my last history summarized, <laughs> that is. So uh, I, sometimes I, I succeed, sometimes I fail. But it's, it's a matter of, you know, finding topics and then putting it in a big list and then trying to spread that out strategically over years.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do not have a big list. Uh, pretty much as soon as I get excited enough to think of a topic, I usually also get excited enough to script it, start working on it, put it in the schedule you know go from there so i have less of a like a a topic buffer than blue does but i i have uh more of a like things i'm immediately working on buffer because I, mm-hmm. I don't put it on the list and then leave it there i'll be like oh yeah i'll get started on the notes for this and i'll just let it sit while i work on other stuff and i'll get all the research out of my system now um and it really is just based on like what i think would be cool like you know when i've started doing the myth section of the channel, it was mostly because I already knew a lot of Greek myths just, you know, growing up as kind of that kid, you know, uh, and I was like, yeah, this will be cool. I'll just look into it to make sure I know the details, and then I'll just go from there. Uh, And as I sort of exhausted the repertoire of Greek myths I already knew (laughs) and also did enough research to find out that a lot of those Greek myths were incorrect or just Ovid's version, for instance, uh, (laughs) things sort of shifted around a little bit. So now it, it's a little trickier for me because, you know, you, you can't be interested in something you don't know exists. So there's a baseline yeah. level of research I need to do in order to find the topics. So, you know, I'm starting to get more into the habit of, like, acquiring large-scale books that discuss, like, certain spaces of mythology so I can find the parts. And I'm like, oh, that would be really cool. So, you know, the thing with the seals is like, wait a, wait a minute. What's that right there? <laughs> that little detail you just glossed over? And suddenly it's a whole video. Um, yeah. So I, as perhaps unsurprisingly i do it a little more loosey-goosey and rather less (laughs) well-structured but it's fun i have a good time with it and it works ish so you know yes yeah
2: as as we constantly repeat on this podcast if the strategy works for you go nuts um this next question comes from shadow reaper five for all if you were a fish what fish would you be uh not what is your favorite fish, but what
0: fish would you be? That's if you already were a fish. presuming a certain amount of fish knowledge and opinionation that I do not have. Big fish? Small fish? Oh. Red fish? Blue fish? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah.
1: I like to be an anomalocaris. Those, those Cambrian bastards are super fun looking. They've got the fun the, like, fish. like <laughs> tusk thingies.
2: They Fred, swim. You, Shut this up. this question assumes you have a certain <laughs> amount of fish knowledge. Blue drops the scientific name <laughs> Anomalocaris
0: aren't fish. (laughs) Yes, they are. No, well, okay, hold on. Is there an actual topological definition of a fish?
1: Evolutionarily, there is a point at which certain criteria made something what we would call a fish rather than just an underwater swimmy thing. No,
0: no, 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 hold on. I have to Google this. It is possible that Anomalocaris is not at all on the fish line.
2: Fish fish I think it is a crustacean.
0: Anomalocaris is an extinct genus of radiodont. Oh, that explains everything. And for the I record, I don't understand
2: it's an- most of the words you just said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it seems like the prevailing the prevailing theory is that Anomalocaris, <laughs> by the way, the name means weird shrimp because when they found the fossils, they found the little dealies on its like face, and they kind of look like shrimp, and they were like, we well, keep finding all these weird shrimp. And then they like they reconstructed the whole animal, and they were like, "Oh, that's that's more of like a weird bug, but we'll still call it weird shrimp." It's
1: the Uber um, shrimp. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, anyway, it's uh, it's theorized to be related to ancestral arthropods, so it's a bug, not a fish.
1: Fine, I'll be a fucking mosasaur. I don't know, dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me Google that. Okay, one so too. you're
2: going oh. from shrimp to <laughs> mosasaur? <laughs> Uh, which actually isn't that a it's a reptile but that's that's okay you know what
0: I I don't want to be a dick about this one so much Um, quick pick a whale next (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's really get the comment section on me Um,
1: I'll be a sigma fish
0: (laughs) (laughs) well according to Google the official definition of fish is a limbless cold-blooded vertebrate animal with gills and fins and living wholly in water the example sentence is the sea is thick with fish which really explains everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no! so. <laughs> no! <laughs> I
0: hate that! Why, why would they say it like that? <laughs> a backbone, gills, and fins. Huh, great. I'll be you a shark. Fish. Why not? Any shark. Whale you shark, because oh, that's Ooh, that, nice. that's my favorite to catch in Animal Crossing, because whenever you do, it goes. There she blows! <laughs> <laughs> Excellent.
2: Uh... Oh, I feel like I'd be a. Hmm.
0: but if we're doing things that aren't fish I'd be a trilobite because they're
2: cute <laughs> and extinct yeah. and bugs any fish that's just like straight vibes head empty, no thoughts, just <laughs> hanging, in which is what the whale shark falls into but if I had to pick a fish that I think I am I don't know, probably like a, a schooling fish or something along those lines some like, like a little know, anchovy a fish. I asked this question and I don't yeah <laughs> sure, I'll we'll go with anchovy, that's a fish right <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, maybe I remember my brothers like to fish a lot and i hate it
0: so. uh, there's an example uh of just like you know when when skeletons were evolving for a while they were basically exoskeletal. so there were these just huge fish where the skull is just like the actual shape of their whole head and a, mm. a museum i've been to had one of those and i was like wow that's crazy it's like the size of my whole torso And then I just wiped the name of that fish from my mind. So I can't use it for any of this, which is very convenient and helpful.
2: You know what? I actually changed my answer. I want to be an octopus.
0: That's definitely
2: not a fish. It
0: doesn't have a backbone or gills.
2: (laughs) It's in the aquarium. How does it
0: breathe? Actually, wait, how does it breathe?
2: Damn it. Back to Google! <laughs> <laughs> Tell me if an octopus is a fish! <laughs>
0: it has to be! <laughs> Alright, hold on. What's its genus? Come on, baby. Oh no, this is not helpful.
2: This question is not. I didn't think this question would be spicy. I thought we'd all just go around and say a fish it's and then we move the on. It's from the family
0: Octopodae, which answers all my questions.
2: <laughs> Alright, hold on. Fish. Phylum
0: Mollusca, which I don't think is what includes fishes. Yeah, I mean like these, these are invertebrates, so like they're they're not at all related to fish, going back a long ways. Because once you get a spinal cord, you don't really get rid of it most of the time. So almost everything with a spine is not very related to anything that doesn't have a spine. Are there any fish
2: scientists you want to reach out to the podcast and chime off on this question? Oh yeah, you can do so
0: later on, but we'll move on. <laughs> okay. Why, why is it called of... Octopus vulgaris? That's so rude. <laughs> The common octopus is a mollusk. That doesn't sound right, but I don't know enough about fish to dispute it.
1: Oh, you don't <laughs> know enough about do. fish to dispute it. Oh, that's interesting. Coming from the queen of, of whether or not something is a fish.
0: You think I'm pulling up <laughs> Wikipedia yes, because, because I know fish about fish? <laughs>
2: <laughs> this next question comes from Tomato to Blue. Any particular domes you dislike?
1: Domes I Dislike Um...
2: domes you have beef with domes that have wronged you in your
1: past. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God!
0: (sighs) Well, you mull that over. Did you know that the common octopus hunts (laughs) in (laughs) dust? Like Batman, (laughs) and it's known as cosmopolitan because it's a global species. (laughs) I'm closing Wikipedia. My power has become too great.
1: (laughs) Oh gosh! I'm I'm gonna look up. Famous domes and see what we get here. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't... No dome really bothers me. That's the thing. Most of them are chill. Are there
0: um, any, like, poorly designed domes? The Epcot dome? thing is
1: just fucking weird, but... Um,
0: <laughs> oh, Epcot. Everyone should watch the Defunct Land video on it. It's just such a trip.
1: I I, I actually think I, I, um, I disqualify the Epcot dome because it is a full sphere yeah, in my a globe. initial five good domes video. So I'll go with that one just on principle because it is... Often called a dome, even though it is just mm. factually not. Uh, um, but eh? most most domes are most domes are pretty cool. Those those y like like Slavic domes are kind of weird i'm not really a fan of those because they're not like they stop being domes once they're like they spill out over the side of the thing they're standing on Uh, um that shape just looks very awkward and uncomfortable um
0: and if it doesn't have a spinal column and gills then it doesn't count as a true dome
1: (laughs) (laughs) this justin pantheon is indeed not a fish (laughs) Yeah, oh
0: but it might be a reptile because we found there's it. No, 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 there's
2: only two categories. Something is either a fish or it is not a fish. There's oh, no nuance accurate. here. <laughs> I,
1: I, you it's know, one dome that I, I, answers. I do kind of find annoying is the Pantheon in Paris because oh. when I was doing my my research for the Pantheon in Rome, I would just type in like. Pantheon assuming that I would be shown like the correct one and uh, it kept on showing me this dumbass French one instead <laughs> and that annoyed me so yeah, I'll go with with so Pantheon in French. French despite the fact that it is a lovely building for personal reasons I I will I will hey, declare a rivalry with, a that is with an the absolutely valid Paris.
2: reading of the text uh, aka the question that was asked uh, speaking of questions this next one comes from discount whiskey to all and any guests how is the OSP crews handwriting?
1: Bad. It's
2: <laughs> not bad. I've I've been working on it. Um, it varies a lot depending tell on the angle. What reds looks like because it's also the font for a lot of the video.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, turning it into a font. I I you know I was on my best handwriting behavior with that mm-hmm. one. But mm-hmm. like, I also handwrite most of the text in my videos, and it's legible at least so you know yeah but if it...
1: i did that it, it would not be that if you want to yeah. see what my handwriting looks like watch the lame Ms. april fools video <laughs> that's what my handwriting looks like
0: good stuff and it depends nice. at what angle i'm writing on like i if i write like on a like on a fridge magnet calendar or something and it's like at a funky angle it'll look like chicken scratch but you know mm-hmm. it's it's. i think that's pretty normal so yeah, yeah not too bad i write in cursive but just out of
2: spite what um, <laughs> So when I was in, uh, for the first few years of my uh, elementary education, I went to Catholic school and we learned cursive pretty early. And then when I switched over to public school, the first year I switched was the first year they were learning cursive. So I've got Ah. double cursive education. So I was already like decent at it. Uh, But I realized in high school that the kid who's trying to copy off of my vocabulary tests couldn't read (sighs) my handwriting if I wrote in cursive. So I just started writing exclusively in cursive and then he couldn't cheat off of me anymore. And one of us passed that class. That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) wow but my cursive's not good it's terrible i can't read it half the time uh but it's that's how i write is anyone good at
0: cursive like
2: i think the thing is if you get really good at cursive your cursive then loops back around to being illegible because you just get faster at it and it reduces the amount of (laughs) (laughs) lines
0: as i was learning cursive i remember clearly in those early middle school years i was like this is stupid and i can't even read it why do we do this? And like, I don't remember who told me, but I know that I received information from a trusted authority figure in my life that we weren't going to use it after this. And yeah, I was like, it's one of those things right.
2: where I'm like, I like having learned it because I think it's a fun trick and I think my handwriting looks prettier with it, but like, there's not really a purpose to it. Half the time I have to specifically not write in cursive so that other people can read my handwriting. It's kind of, um, uh, it's a detriment more than it is a boon half the time. I, uh, it's funny it to think about
1: the kind of person who would get mad about people not learning cursive enough and use it as a point of evidence in the decline of civilization is that kids aren't learning cursive. Like, Hmm. those people absolutely exist, and they suck.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) I'm amazed, amazed first and that second I can still grade read teachers cursive. who
2: taught us cursive. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think that my teachers knew it was stupid, uh, but it was like an obligation. Like my my third grade mm-hmm. teacher did a lot of work trying to make my handwriting legible, which was very nice of her in hindsight. But Adverable. like yeah. I think it was fine the way I used to write my eights, but apparently not. <laughs> so whatever. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, yeah, it's one um, of those things. We've got
2: time for about one more question. And yeah. I did pick this one specifically because I just saw the Batman. So this question ah. comes from the Lonely Ghost. To all, if you were a part of the Batman rogues gallery, what oh. would be your gimmick and or, and or theme? What's Is the, this specifically you in the context of the villain?
1: new Batman movie or just like a Batman rogue in general? Just
2: Batman okay. rogue in okay. general. You know, okay. Batman's There's rogues so gallery. You know, the big hits. The Joker, the Riddler, the Penguin, etc., cetera, et cetera. Like, what's your The Ivy... Poison ivy,
0: and Icon, Condiment you know, King, Calendar Man. <laughs> there's so many good niche options. That lady who's not Calendar Man, but kind of has the exact same gimmick. Yeah, yeah. There's all the, all kinds of good stuff. Yes,
1: mm. I. Because it's like, what what kind of crime would you do? also Mm -hmm. informs what your gimmick is, and what your gimmick is informs what kind of crime you would do. So depending on which one you choose, you can kind of build it out that way. So, like, my crime would be that I would steal... artifacts from museums and then give them back. I to, wanted to do like, that crime. <laughs> I'm the history one. I got there you first. You could be
0: uh, a duo. Uh, uh, yeah, we could be a duo no, if you want. It's much funnier if we are rivals in this. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> if we're both trying to steal and repatriate artifacts from museums and Batman's just like, I don't even know if I should be stopping this at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh my you just gosh. have a whole spy versus spy thing going on and Batman is just also there. <laughs> but we have completely separate gimmicks. Like... I yeah. know my gimmick would be swords. I know if I had any excuse to carry a sword in public, I would. Lady, lady. Like I'm barely restraining myself now. So imagine <laughs> how much nutser I'd be in actual Gotham. <laughs> also, are we like allowing for the possibility of having superpowers at the time because like I would say yes. I'm like picking yeah. your
2: gimmick. You know, no one I wouldn't say I assume, you know, none of us are going to try and be, like, Superman or anything, but if you want to have a fun superpower related to your gimmick, go nuts.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it does your podcast, aspect, you make the rules. Turn a botanist into an actual dryad, I feel like the rules are pretty nuts in Gotham. Right? Ooh, I know what I want to be. Ooh? I don't know what kind of crimes I, I think. So, you
2: know what, like, is the most annoying thing in the world, which is if you follow a random person around in public and you just, like, act like a TV news anchor reporting on what exactly they're doing. <laughs> what? I just want to do that.
0: <laughs> you said that so casually for such an objectively bonkers <laughs> (laughs) statement
2: (laughs) (laughs) i i want to be a villain who like does my crime and misdemeanor is just like irritating people, irritating pedestrians. Like, I just want to walk around with a microphone that just blasts my voice out so they have to listen and just describe what people are doing. Batman's so, trying to beat me up, and I'm just like, whoa, and he's throwing a left hook coming out there, and what's that? He's
0: sweeping the leg! <laughs> Alright, I, I think that we can conclude that your villain origin is when Vine shut down and you were out of a job. <laughs> yes! yes. I,
1: I love to imagine that the citizens of Gotham would see, like, a robbery in progress, like, like armed robbery, like bullets flying everywhere, Yeah. And then they're like, "Oh gosh, that's terrible!" And then they see you show up, and they're like, "Oh fuck, not her." <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what my villain
2: name would be. Like, uh, the Telecaster. No, the Telecaster's good. Ooh. It's, it's your up. girl coming at you up. live hey it's the good girl the telecaster coming at you live from the streets of gotham where the riddler has been riddling once again <laughs> remember to like and subscribe i feel like the local like <laughs> newscasters hate you more than anyone else <laughs> oh yeah the terror of a meteorologist everywhere you know
1: your superpower is that your voice is just like 50% louder than the average person's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. You're I'm just, just always podcast. yelling. Yeah. <laughs> I just grew up in an Italian-American household. Oh, wait, <laughs> I already
0: have this superpower. Oh, no. Okay, uh, so we're robbing museums, but like for good reasons yeah, theoretically, yeah, yeah. so Batman your, just like
1: kind of lets us do it. <laughs> but I feel like yeah. the question,
0: like we still have to be doing something wrong in the process. Like mm-hmm, I, I think mm-hmm. the fundamental disagreement has to be over like, which artifacts need to be repatriated, where? and how much padding you need to put in the box before you like put the vase in there. It's like, it's fine, I'll just carry it. <laughs> what do you mean you'll just carry it? You
2: fight with a sword. <laughs> um, I like to think that like Blue leaves corrections on some of the displays and stuff whenever he steals an artifact. Uh, <laughs> like, that's the yeah. thing. Like word like yeah, yeah, taken I, from to stolen from and things you, like that.
0: <laughs> you do more of like the Riddler thing where it's like you... Every, you need everybody to know what you're doing and, like, that you knew the answer that they didn't. And it's like, actually, they acquired this from here and yeah, uh, I, they stole it. Yeah, I engage it. in, like,
1: vicious blackmail against museum curators. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm just breaking through the skylight and, like, taking it and leaving. Yeah. Okay. I, curator, I like that to makes think sense. that, Lady, that Lady.
1: we have, like, a tertiary rogue who mm-hmm. also breaks into museums to steal stuff but then sends it to London.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or he's like a private collector and he's like, oh, the stuff I don't have room for I send to the British Museum and it's like, all right, let's team up and kill this guy. <laughs> ay, ay.
1: Oh, yeah. no.
2: I love this. So the Telecaster, Blue, what is your villain name?
1: Oh, jeez. Um...
2: The curator is
0: pretty good, honestly. I know yeah, said...
1: <laughs> yeah, the curator, why not? <laughs>
0: I'm trying to figure out if I can invert Indiana Jones somehow. I, I don't think I can. Not on this level of brain power I'm functioning on today. What well, I'm trying to the hardest
2: part of that is figuring out what the opposite of Indiana is.
0: Yeah. Michigan. No. Come <laughs> no. on. Indiana no. and Michigan are cousins at best. Uh uh New York? No, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> no. Opposite of Indiana. What what opposite dimension are we are we increasing on?
2: I do not know how to get to the opposite California. This is beyond my. California US dreaming. Knowledge. I
0: don't fucking know. <laughs> no, this is stupid. Um, why is this so hard? I'm so bad at naming things. Why'd you have to drop this on me? <laughs> Can't I just it's steal my museum a artifacts in peace? <laughs> You, hey, to quote
2: Megamind, you may be a villain, but not a super one. It's all about hey. presentation,
0: Red, presentation. Isn't it traditional <laughs> for like characters to usually get named by the media rather than showing up and being like, that's right, I'm Batman. Make sure you spell it right. It's like, no, <laughs> come on.
2: Yeah, but if you show up dressed as a bat and you're a dude, there's only so many names they're going to jump to first, you Yeah, know? but,
1: Red, um, imagine that you're in the act of, like, stealing something from a museum and then Batman drops through the window. He's like, who are you? You're like, I don't fucking, I'm just a guy. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to do some stuff. I don't <laughs> no, know. No,
0: I'd throw him off John his game Johnson. by saying, I'm Justice. And then I'd get out with the, the, the <laughs> vase while he's like, that's my thing. <laughs> Lady Justice. <laughs> I stole this thing. That's probably the name of something. Isn't that a miraculous Almost ladybug certainly. thing?
2: Why no, do I know it? that? Possibly, I think I've watched like every...
0: two minutes of that show. Ladybug total. is one of those shows you get just
2: like Tumblr osmosis of. But yeah, that's uh, true, yeah. unrelated. Yeah. So we've got Telecaster, the curator, unnamed woman with sword. Come on, <laughs> man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no, Lady. What? Lady. <laughs> <Is> Blade <laughs> and Lady put together. <laughs> that's. Not as stupid as some names I've heard, to be completely some, honest.
1: Someone in the writer's room at the, at the local news station would have come up with it sooner or later.
0: You know what? It's just natural. Um, I feel like I tried to be like, cool, like, my name's not important. I'm just doing an important service. And then people are like, the mysterious rogue christened by the media as Blady or that weird lady who's, like, pulling a reverse <laughs> Indiana Jones. And I'm like, fuck, neither of those are good. <laughs>
2: Indiana Jones. That's much worse than Blady. <laughs> I'm at least you can shorten "Blady"
0: to "regular idea, Blade."
1: Though. No, you can't. Regular Blade.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, Indiana Batman don't? usually calls his rogues by their actual name because he's like a good person like that. So, like, he'll call oh, Poison yeah. Ivy Pamela, and, you know, he'll call Harley True. like. Doctor Quinzel sometimes, or Harley. No, he just calls her Harley. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that it depends on how much of a himbo he's being at the time. You know, they they really that's got to
1: because her first name is Harleen, so it's like it's almost all the same syllables.
0: Yeah, but the emphasis is different. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> a conversation um, we're having while I'm attempting to airlift a priceless vase, <laughs> and you're I'd too busy to,
2: refixing the, all the optics cars. of this little the new the three new most mid level to low tier <laughs> threats to Gotham.
0: Okay. These three idiots, <laughs> uh, when Superman and uh, Batman swap cities for a night, Superman doesn't even like pay attention to what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> He might pay attention to to the Telecaster just because of like professional. Because
2: I won't shut up and follow him around telling him what he's doing.
1: Meanwhile, Lex Luthor's not
2: sending a
0: message.
1: Meanwhile, Lex Luthor's over Metropolis making a dirty bomb and Batman's like trying to short Lex Corp stocks. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, trust me, he's going to feel this in two to three weeks. (laughs) Oh, no.
2: Incredible. Well, I, for one, want to see all of these villains in the sequel to the Batman, but uh, you know that's that's going to have to wait for a later day, along with any further discussion, because we have reached time on the podcast. So, mm-hmm. um,
0: Blady, are you ready to take us out? <laughs> We're not letting this become a thing. This episode oh, feels thing? a little more unhinged than average, I think. Oh, don't I think worry, I'll... it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't just yeah, a, yeah, that okay, was just a good. hunch, it was. Awesome. <laughs> Um, thank you all so much for listening Uh, as mentioned you know the kickstarter for the woman cards is still running so feel free to check that out if you haven't already it would be very cool if we could get those bonus stretch goals going Um, as always we'll be back on Friday with more regular video content uh, which I don't remember what it's going to be right now but I assume it'll be fun just on a surprise
1: patrons know what's up
0: oh yeah yeah (laughs) patrons will know what's up and presumably so will I at this point in the future Um, until next time I've been Red I've been Blue. <laughs> and this has been Overly Sarcastic Podcast.
2: Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on April 6th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.